following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. We continue our work in 1 Timothy. Um, we're going to look at a chapter 4, verse 1 through 5, page 992 in the Pew Bibles. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. So we read that together and, uh, and then we pray. 1 Timothy 4, start at verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. So let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for the privilege of gathering in your name here in this place this morning as your people your family. We thank you, Lord, for your word and the truth that is contained in it. We pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us in the truth this morning as we look at your word, that you would instruct us in the way we ought to live, what we ought to do. And we pray, Father, that your spirit would speak to our hearts this morning and that our hearts would be soft to receive your message. For we love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I've been to think a lot about this passage. And the world we live in is full of voices that want to get in our ears and believe what they say. And unfortunately... Most of those voices are not speaking the truth. The world is full of false teaching, false teachers that want to tear our faith apart and follow after them and not follow after the Lord Jesus. Last week we looked at Paul's uh, symbol song of faith at the end of chapter 3. The mystery of godliness he sang about. And this week, in contrast, we are going to examine a simple song of warning against corrupting the truth. It's not really a song, but uh, it is certainly a warning. John Calvin wrote about this passage. He said the main warning in the passage is against hypocritical teachers who, by setting up false worship, and by ensnaring consciences with new laws, adulterate the true worship of God and corrupt the pure doctrine of faith. And that's exactly what's at stake here. Maybe I'm the only one who struggles with this, but one of the great frustrations of my life is that everything that is bad for me is 
and, and displeasing to the Lord is constantly clamoring for my attention. And while all that is good for me and is pleasing to the Lord seems difficult or distasteful or distant from me. This is a great frustration. A false teaching is one of those things that is constantly trying to get to us. It's always trying to get the attention of people, not just followers of Jesus, but people in general. And the bookshelves are full of attention-grabbing titles and ideas to better ourselves, and the airwaves are saturated with voices preaching a false gospel of the virtue of humanity, provided you agree with their viewpoints. It seems that the truth in 2018 is that if you disagree with someone, you hate them, which is dumb. (laughs) Really, really dumb. And I don't hate the people that think that. I just disagree with them because they're dumb. I mean, because I just disagree. It's not true. The great lie of the serpent from the Garden of Eden is alive and well. That you can be like God and you don't have to do what he says to do it. You don't have to do things his way to get there. The Lord knew from the beginning, before he created mankind, before he created the earth that we live on, that this would be this way. He knew. He knew that the true followers of Jesus would be plagued with false teachers and those who would try and turn us from the faith until he returns. And that's why he warned us through the Apostle Paul here in our text. Verse 1 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Um, well, that's a pretty strong statement. But Paul is inspired by the Holy Spirit and he's speaking on his behalf. And he warns young Timothy and all those who would come after him of the coming of false teachers and their presence even within the church. This echoes Paul's warning to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20. Verse 28 and 30, long before Timothy arrived in Ephesus. He said to the elders, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood, knowing that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. See, this is not a new phenomenon that there's false teachers trying to tear people away from the simple and true faith in Jesus Christ. When Paul writes the latter times, later times there in verse one, the spirit expressly says in later times, This also can say the latter days 
in your translation, whatever you're using. And now this said, not just the last days that we think are, maybe they're here, but maybe they're not yet, and something bad is coming, some great apostasy is, is coming. This, um, this just means in a days to come, the times that we live in is now. Um, wh- Paul simply meant in times to come, in the future, false teachers are going to try and get people to depart from the faith to follow after them. Now, it'd be a little bit easier if it was just one big event that we're waiting for, and then we can deal with that one big deal, right? But that's not how it is. It's zillions of little deals. And every degree that we turn from the simple faith in the truth of God's Word, every degree we turn, over a foot, no big deal. Over ten feet, you might notice a difference. Over a mile, over ten miles, that's the way false teaching works. It's just a little subtle thing. Paul also makes clear that those who would pull people away from the true faith in Christ are not just misguided people trying to do a good thing without complete understanding. Mm. I remember one of the first opportunities I had to teach um, students and try to explain some concept, and I don't remember what it was, but I didn't say it right. I said something that was wrong. Um, I'm not going to recount it. It would take too long. But just it wasn't correct. I didn't mean to be wrong. I wasn't trying to get people to worship something other than the Lord Jesus, but I needed correction. That's not what Paul's talking about here. He's not talking about innocent mistake or just simply misguided people. He's talking about teachers that are inspired by demons and devoted to lying spirits. Well, we ought to be able to tell who they are, right? They probably have horns, right, or pointy tails and pitchforks. Well, no. I wish it were that simple, but it's not. Their teaching while purporting virtue, is designed to destroy all who would follow them. Not in this life, either. It's not, uh, follow me, and I'll make sure you lose your house, and you lose your family, and everything you love will be destroyed. You don't hear a lot of people teaching that sort of thing. They tell you how you can have a successful life, and a growing business, and all kinds of money, and influence, and power, and people. Wonderful. Sounds good, doesn't it? How to be a good person. But it is what happens beyond this life is where the consequences lie. Their falsehood might result in wealth and power here on earth. But the destruction of those who would turn from the faith to falsehood is eternal. That's a problem. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars 
whose consciences are are seared. The heartbreaking truth of this statement is not that some slick snake oil salesman is going to rise from the bowels of hell and to enslave mankind and we'll all see him coming. The truth is that as men and women who once claimed to follow Jesus are going to <clears throat> and have already turned from faith in Christ to create other systems of rules <clears throat> excuse me they create other systems of rules and laws in order to make people think that they are acceptable to God. These people, perhaps even unwittingly, have been deceived and in their own hypocrisy deceive others into following them. They they are no longer able to choose to do what is right because their consciences have been burned and scarred over, seared with a hot iron. Paul gives two examples here in our text of a general principle called asceticism. You can impress your friends with that word, asceticism. And this concept has plagued the church from the very beginning. Um, So he talks about the prohibition of marriage and abstinence from certain foods. This was, these were the examples that he gave. And I can't help but uh, think these ideas still sound kind of familiar and kind of modern. This was written a long time ago, but it seemed like this teaching is still out there. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits, and teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from food that God created to be received with thanksgiving. Now, the principle of asceticism uh, is the practice of self-denial for religious or spiritual purposes. Now, that doesn't sound bad, does it? Sound reasonable? You know me well enough to know when you're being set up, I guess. Okay. Yes, perfectly reasonable. Well, you're wrong. (laughs) You've been around for a while. Bible talks about fasting, right? The practice of denying yourself food for a time so you can devote yourself to prayer. Right? It does. Samson. Remember him, big strong guy? He denied himself the haircut. He denied himself any alcohol or strong drink in order to please God, to fulfill his oath. Even Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So how do you feel now? Isn't self-denial a biblical practice? Oh, you still think you're being set up. 
I'm getting, I'm getting predictable, I'm afraid. Well, I'll answer your question with a question. Isn't denying ourselves biblical? The question I would answer that question with is what's the difference between denying yourself and denying yourself? There's two different things. It's a matter of motivation. Denying yourself, your right to eat meat or get married, does not make you more acceptable to God. Denying yourself, your sinful self, your flesh and its desires is part of following Jesus, saying no to sin and yes to God. That is denying yourself, not denying yourself. Does it make sense? Hmm. John Calvin wrote, falsely linking godliness to outward elements perverts and profanes the spiritual worship of God. Denying ourselves those things that God has declared to be good is nothing more than religious superstition. And no superstition is pleasing to God, even if they're dressed up in churchy clothes. Uh, baseball superstitions are different, but I mean like other things. That's just for fun. The idea that outward observances can conceal inward wickedness is not a new concept. Jesus said in Matthew 23, verse 25 to 28, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. This is the concept that we're talking about here. Why is the draw to asceticism and the appearance of outward righteousness so strong? Is it not because we prefer to try and find some other way to perfection outside of God's way? Wouldn't we rather just be good enough on our own? This is exactly why people teach this and exactly why people believe it. Because if we can make ourselves good enough, well, that means there's something good about us. Everybody like to think of yourself as a wicked, rotten Bound for hell, sinner? It's my favorite thing to think about. How horrible I am as a person. It's my favorite. Isn't it yours? So uplifting. The world is trying to tell us exactly the opposite. That you are good enough. That you are strong enough. And gosh darn it, everyone likes you. But that's error. We are not good enough on our own. Jesus died for nothing if we can be good enough. And people don't like you. Just get over it. It's okay. 
So how do we guard against these errors, these and many more? How do we know who we can trust? How do we know whose teaching you can listen to? Now, if I was a cult leader, I would say to you, trust me. Trust in me. Just in me. Like that boa constrictor from the Jungle Book. Trust in me as I wrap my big squeezy body around you and kill you. That's exactly what would happen. If you put your trust in me, in my teaching alone, you would die. We cannot do that because men and women are not worthy of trust. I wonder if there is a way that we can find a source of truth that's trustworthy. If there were only a book that we could read. <clears throat> Here's the secret. Right here in our text, believe it or not. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from food that God created to be thanks- received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Believe and know the truth. Those who believe and know the truth. Believing and knowing the truth is the secret to not only avoiding error, but enjoying the blessings of our Father God. Paul wrote in Titus 1.15 that to the pure, all things are pure. And we are not only made pure by faith in, or we are only made pure by faith in Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Hmm. It's not a matter of not eating red meat on Friday. You ever wonder why all-you-can-eat fish fries are always on Friday? This is why. Because people have taught that eating red meat on Friday doesn't please Jesus. It's not true. All-you-can-eat fish fries are terrific if you like fish. But so are all-you-can-eat steak buffets. And they're, it's irrelevant, right? How about uh, people not allowed to get married? Sound familiar? If you're going to work for God, you can get married. No priest or monk or nun is allowed to get married in the Catholic Church. This is why. And it's wrong. It's falsehood. These things were made by God. And they are good because God made them. Hmm. It is good that we worship and we worship Him in His way according to His Word, the Bible. You want the source of truth. You want to know you can believe and who you can't. This is our measuring stick. Food is good because God is good and He created it. He says so in His Word. Marriage is good because God created it and God is good. It says so in His Word. What he commands, as well as what he forbids, have been made clear in his word. When we enjoy these things according to God's word, with thanksgiving to the Father, 
their enjoyment becomes an act of worship. Do you know that? Your steak dinner on Friday night can be an act of worship, right? Because you recognize with thanksgiving to God that He is the one that not only provided it for you, but said, take and eat. This is for you. What a wonderful thing that having dinner or getting married or celebrating someone else's marriage can be an act of worship because these are things that God has designed. We do it in His way. It's pleasing to Him. We do it in our way. Not so much. J.P. Lang wrote, Enjoyment with thanksgiving of these things must be moderate and seemly as befits those who believe and know the truth. You can enjoy your steak dinner on Friday night in worship to God, but maybe eating two steaks with a pitcher of beer may not be so good. It's not so modest and seemly does not befit those who follow the Lord. We must be careful about the exercise of our freedoms because we walk a very fine line. Freedom uh, is can be dangerous. There are so many things that are fine and good, but when they are used to excess, become bad. And there are many things that people may say are bad that aren't really bad at all when used in moderation and receive with thanksgiving and prayer. The point is that we recognize these things are from God, and so we can enjoy them to His praise and glory. And we must be careful. We must be aware that folks... uh, There are so many people out there maybe even dressed up in churchy clothes, saying lots of nice and attractive things, but teaching what is false in an attempt to lead us astray. We must pray for discernment, and we must know what the Bible really says and really believe what the Bible really says and rely on the Lord to protect us from error. That's the life that we live. We have been given great resource to live in such a way that brings glory and honor to God, not one that prays ourself and our strength and might. Hmm. We have all that we need to live a life of praise and worship to God. I'd like to close with a prayer from the Apostolic Constitutions. Didn't know we had one of those, did we? It's written in the late 4th century. Hmm. We pray this together. Blessed be thou, O Lord, who has fed me from my youth, who gives food to all flesh. Fill our hearts with joy and gladness, that having always what suffices, we may abound unto all good works. In Christ Jesus our Lord, through whom be unto thee honor, glory, and power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. All right, we pray. Father, we are so grateful for your provision for us, not just of food and drink or spouse, 
but of the way to live in such a way that pleases you. We thank you for the truth of your word, that by it we can measure the statements of men and women, to see if they're false, to see if they are from you or not. And I do pray that you would give us discernment and not just swallow everything everybody says. I pray that these folks here would not just swallow everything I say, but would measure it by your word to see if it's true or false. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your many blessings to us, especially that of your son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.